Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today our guest is Dr. Alexander, who is a clinical assistant professor of zoological medicine at the University of Florida. Dr. Alexander, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. I think we have a lot of students who are really excited about this episode. Um, they're excited about ZooMed and, and all kinds of the fun, exotic animals. But before we get into that, can you tell us where did you go to undergrad? Where, how did you get to veterinary school? Yeah, happy to. I um, All gators, actually. Yay! <laughs> go gators! So I went to undergrad at Florida. Okay. And my very first day of undergrad, I walked over to the vet school and asked, do you take volunteers in the hospital? And what'd they say? At the time, they didn't actually have a volunteer program. Okay. There was one department, only one, oh, that wow. took volunteers. Wow. And which department was that? Zoo medicine. Oh, so did you get to volunteer with them? <laughs> so I was like, oh, how convenient for me. Yes. That's exactly where I want to go. Wonderful. So I started volunteering in there. And on my first day, they had an injured bald eagle. Uh, so they take wildlife that's there. That's a good day to start. Yeah. And they asked me to help them hold it. Mm. And I knew right yeah. then and there. Like, I loved all parts of veterinary medicine, but I was like, this is what I want. Yeah. So I volunteered all through through there, all throughout undergrad. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky enough to get into vet school here as well. Wonderful. And then what did your internship and residency look like? Yeah. So mine was a pretty traditional route, mm-hmm. as we say, for zoo medicine. So after vet school, I did a small animal medicine surgery rotating internship in okay. Tampa at Blue Pearl. Uh-huh. And then I did a exotics and zoo medicine internship at Colorado State University at their vet school. Mm-hmm. And from there, I did a residency at the St. Louis Zoo, which is um, in, it works also with University of Missouri. So, and then that was, so five years of training after vet school. Okay, now tell me, why did the first internship have to be small animal if you wanted to do zoo med? So it doesn't have to be small animal. Uh Um, Really, the goal of that first year is learning and reinforcing medicine in general. Mm -hmm. Because zoo animals, you don't get quite the same depth always. We don't know the ins and outs nearly as well as we know the domestic species, dog, cat, horse, cow. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn good medicine Mm -hmm. and have a solid ground in medicine and surgery and all of those things on those animals, then you can extrapolate it to zoo animals. So I went small animal, just that was more my interest um, and background experience. But you can absolutely do a large animal internship or large animal background as well. A lot of zoo vets have gone that route. Wonderful. So it sounds like you do have options for your extra training after your DVM. Do students ever graduate with their DVM and go immediately into working with zoo med? It is very, very rare. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say immediately. Probably the closest is you may find a a practice, either a large animal or small animal, that may help a small local zoo. Mm -hmm. Or some people privately own these animals. So you could be a, a farm animal vet, an equine vet, where you may get called out to help with a zebra or camel. But those are really dangerous animals. Mm-hmm. So 
you don't have that training, it can be really difficult. Okay, and so what about small animal domestic exotics? Because I know when I walk by ZooMed, sometimes we see rabbits and flying squirrels mm-hmm. and all those little pocket pets. How does one get the training for those animals? Could a DVM right out the gate do that, or is it better to have the ZooMed training? That's actually a really excellent question. Thanks for bringing that up. And that um, those are becoming more and more common Mm -hmm. pets that are brought into veterinary clinics. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago, yes, people had them, their children had them as pets, but they didn't bring them to the veterinary clinic as often. Mm -hmm. And now they're beloved parts of the family. So even in the general practice, small animal setting, you are going to see those animals. And so we are really trying at UF to increase the exposure to those species. Mm -hmm. So you do get it on clinics in our ZooMed rotation, but we're actually trying to incorporate it more into some of the general classes as well, because rabbits, guinea pigs, cockatiels, bearded dragons, all of those things are going to come in the door. And we really want students to have at least a general understanding, how to triage it, so how to take care of it in the short term, But a lot of general practitioners are their full-time vets. It's great. Speaking of courses that our students will take about ZooMed, can you tell us what courses do you teach and what kind of courses do we offer that deal with zoo medicine? Because I know a lot of students want to come to UF for our program. So what kinds of training do our students get in those four years? Yeah, so a lot of our classes specifically for zoo and exotics come after the clinical rotations. It's more once students have identified the route they want to go in and are in more of the specialized courses. So there's an avian medicine course, reptile medicine, there's a pocket pets like ferrets, rabbits, rodents, there's marine mammal medicine class. Um, so those are the main ones, but we're we do lecture in some of the like the other nutrition classes, mm-hmm. pharmacology, clinical pathology. We're actually working on starting a new clinical skills lab. So we're gonna join up with the second year course awesome. and do a handling and diagnostic procedures of pocket pets. So we're gonna do a rabbit lab, a reptile, and um and birds. Oh that is so fun. I think the students will love that. You know, um For you listeners at home, we have two years of clinical skills, and that's where you're learning everything you need to know to go into the hospital and feel ready and prepared. Uh, And we do quite a bit with dogs and cats and horses, but that is so cool that the students will have opportunities to work with um, some more exotic animals. So that's wonderful. So let's talk about some fun stuff. What are some fun animals that you see typically in the clinic? And then what are some that come in and it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're seeing this today? Oh, it could be anything. And everyone likes to ask us that question, like what's our favorite animal? What's the coolest thing you've ever seen? And it's all different and it all depends on your mood. And we all have different preferences. And I think we're zoo vets because we get excited by everything. Yeah. We see hummingbirds. Oh, that may really? Get, yep. They might have just flown into a window and be low on blood sugar, so we can give them some sugar and wow. set them free. That's awesome. So we can treat, you know, five gram animals, which is really cool. Right. Um, but it can be all the way up to elephants. Yeah. Um, we don't usually bring elephants to the vet school, but yeah. it has been done. So you guys will typically travel to go see those animals? Yes. Now, I know the schedule in ZooMed, I think on Wednesdays we do certain things. What does the actual weekly schedule look like? Yeah, so... Our schedule is set up is a two-week rotation. So the students are with us for two weeks, and the first week is just with it in the hospital, and it's appointment-based mostly. It can, we also see our own emergencies. 
So client-owned could be anywhere from cockatiels all the way up to we also see appointments from other zoos. Mm. Um, They could send us anything. Um, They can send us primates. They could send us carnivores. We are actually one of the very few vet schools in the country that can safely house a large carnivore. And give us an example of what a large carnivore is. We have had lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. (laughs) I will say that that is an exciting day. I tell students on tours that sometimes walking through the hospital, you can hear a buzz, and you maybe hear someone say, like, there's a tiger or there's a lion. And that is an exciting day in the hospital for sure. It is. And we're we're very, very lucky in that we're extremely well-equipped to provide the absolute like best care in medicine mm-hmm. for these big animals and the zoos know that and they can they will actually some even though they have may have their own veterinarians they can refer stuff to us and we work with them quite a bit so the second week is a little different and that uf is actually where we are the primary veterinarians for a few zoos in northern florida cool. so we are very lucky to work with these great facilities so it's saint augustine alligator farm mm-hmm. which doesn't just have alligators they have all sorts of amazing creatures um and then Luby Bat Foundation, so they have a large population of flying foxes. And then Santa Fe Teaching Zoo, which is our community college that has a program that actually trains zookeepers. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun to have our veterinary students work with their zookeeper students. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect complement. Yeah, and I'm sure our vet students can learn a lot about husbandry and different um, emotional characteristics of the animals. So if you're interested in husbandry and, you know, taking care of the animals, maybe rehabbing animals, zookeeper might be a great path. Absolutely. So I know sometimes students uh, are deciding between becoming a vet tech, a certified vet tech, or becoming a veterinarian, and those paths are different, and one doesn't necessarily lead to the other. So just make sure you're researching differences between veterinary technician and zookeeper and DVM. You want to know uh, the different educational routes, the cost of the education, the salary that you'll make after you get those degrees, and then what you can actually do with those degrees. So make sure you're looking at all of your options. That's an excellent point. Like when you're, when I've been in zoos, it's very common to meet these, you know, extremely experienced keepers who I look to for all of the natural history, the husbandry, that animal's behavior. And many of them will say, you know, I wanted to be a vet. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I was going to be a veterinarian. And then I spent a summer as a zookeeper and realized I wanted to be that person. That, that was where my passion actually was. So it's something that if you can get exposure to it, I definitely recommend it because there's a lot of crossover. And you were a volunteer keeper in Mm -hmm. high school, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, now when Dr. Alexander did that, she didn't get to work with vets in that that scenario, but she did get to handle those animals and get to see what the field looks like a little bit. And then she also volunteered with vets and um, other other practices. So just make sure that you're getting a wide range of experiences in high school and college. So now that we're, we're ch- kind of chatting about zoos and veterinarians, let's talk about job opportunities for students who, you know, become a, a resident and a, a diplomat for Zoom Med. How many opportunities are there? What do those opportunities look like? Um, what's the outlook for students who decide that they want to go and do an internship and a residency? Are, are there a lot of opportunities available? What does it look like? Yeah, it's, I wish it could say, I could say that it's pretty straightforward route. Um, There is the traditional way, which is what I was very fortunate enough to do, but it's a very 
competitive field. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are interested in it for different reasons. I mean, the nice thing about it is there are so many different aspects to zoological medicine. Mm-hmm. There's working, you know, traditionally people think of working in a zoo or aquarium. Yeah. There's working with wildlife, which we also do wildlife at UF. Um, there's working in public health sector. You can work for the CDC. You can do One Health and work with one of the medical schools. There's just lab animal medicine. There's so many different aspects that that makes it appeal to, I think, so many people, not just the traditional, I want to work in a zoo. Mm-hmm. But there just aren't that many positions. Not all zoos have a full-time veterinarian. Some of the ones that people think of have multiple, but a lot just have one or two. And because of that, there aren't many training programs for it. We don't want to have all of these residency programs and training programs to have these people have with these skills and then not be able to get a job right. that fits. So it is competitive just based on a lot of people want to do it and there's just not a big market for it. Yeah. Yeah. So students, I always like to tell um, my pre-vet students who come in just because a number is small or the chances are slim doesn't mean you shouldn't go for it, but just know what the actual market looks like. You know what Dr. Alexander is talking about. If there's only um, a small number of training programs, that should be an indicator that there are not as many jobs available as, let's say, small animal or equine medicine. Um, that doesn't mean don't go for it, but just so you know, and especially when you go into an interview, you know, if somebody is pushing you to talk about your future career and you say, I want to do Zoom Ed, and they say, well, you know that that's very competitive, you want to know what that means and be able to back it up with some facts and statistics and then, you know, still go for it if that is your passion. So I know that a lot of students maybe get interested in any career because they've been exposed to it either in person or on television. And I do have some students who come in to my office and they want to be like Steve Irwin. And, you know, something to point out is Steve Irwin was not even a veterinarian. Right. He was a curator at a zoo. And, you know, he has done, he contributed so much to this planet and conservation because, as you said, look at how many people he taught to care about these animals. Mm -hmm. So I have the absolute utmost respect for him, and I think these shows are wonderful. It's just like going to a zoo or an aquarium where you are teaching the public. So much of the job of a zoo veterinarian Mm -hmm. and keeper and curator or researcher, anyone who works at that facility is teaching the public, Mm. teaching them about these animals, why we care about these animals, and trying to place that little nugget in some child's head that they want to go save these animals. Right. That's a big part. So, you know, people say, I want to be a vet because I don't want to work with people. I only want to work with animals. Right. Even in zoos, your number one client are the people, Mm. whether they are your keepers and curators, they are your clients. Mm And then the public, you have to be able to communicate with them. A lot of zoos have communication courses. You need to get the story across about how important it is to help these animals in the wild. Yeah, right. So I love when veterinarians tell students that it's about the people, but zoo kind of, zoo med has a different side of it with that client um, and public education piece. Yes. Because then you have someone coming into the clinic with their dog, you're educating one person. Mm-hmm. But in a zoo or an aquarium, you are educating 
thousands of people on yeah. a daily basis. So that's a really unique side. And having a veterinarian who can communicate those things is wonderful. If you decide that you you know want to educate the public and handle those animals, potentially you can do curation. You can mm-hmm. be an educator, researcher, lots of opportunities there. Tell us about the show you mentioned. That's a great show. So there's a show on Animal Planet called The Zoo. Mm-hmm. And they also just started one called The Aquarium. And they follow around the staffs at uh, WCS, also known as Bronx Zoo, and their other little zoos in New York City, as well as the Georgia Aquarium. And they really do an excellent job of showing the real story, the behind the scenes, the curators, the keepers all talk about how the hand animal is doing and responding, and they interview the veterinarians, and they follow them around showing this interaction of providing care to these animals. Yeah, It's very honest. It's... I have so much respect for them, what they're doing, everything they're teaching, and um, I think it's a really nice insight. Now, these are larger facilities, so these are zoos that have multiple veterinarians, so it's not the most common. A lot of zoos may have just a couple vets, but these are really the best of the best showing what we are able to do, and it's wonderful um, insight into the field. My own parents sometimes always wonder what it is that I do and I can actually put the show on for them and say yeah. this is what I do cool. this is my job good like, oh that is so cool <laughs> <laughs> so something to aspire to for sure students so go ahead and check that show out so uh, Dr. Alexander what kind of personality does a student need to be a great zoo vet adaptability Okay. You never know what you're going to see that day. So you could be in the middle of one procedure and then all of a sudden a completely different species is ne- now needs your help. So you have to completely regroup. You could be going from something the size of the palm of your hand to something that's 2,000 pounds. Could eat your hand. And, and back. Yeah. Exactly. So I think just be able to jump all over the place. It's very similar, I think, to emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to shift gears in a moment's notice. Right. What do we need to hear from you for our pre-vet listeners at home? What do they, what advice do you have for them? What would you want them to know about the profession, about your journey, about ZooMed? What do they need to hear? Um, I think I love what I do and I am very grateful that I made it where I have and that I'm able to be in this wonderful field. And what I always tell students that are asking me when they're applying for vet school, because yes, it's extremely competitive. It's a long haul. It's um, there's not a large salary when you're done. You spend five years at minimum in specialty training, making an intern salary to make less than a general practitioner as a boarded veterinarian. Often, so you're in it because you love it. But what I always say is, if this is what you absolutely, absolutely want to do, you'll find your way. It's okay. It doesn't have to be the traditional route of internships to residency. You can go out and be in general practice and then start working with these places, and eventually you'll find your niche. You can, there's so, there's endless options to get there if that's what you truly want. There are as many options as there are exotic species. Okay, students, your homework is not only to check out different opportunities to get involved with these animals that you're so passionate about, whether it is getting the DVM 
or becoming a zookeeper or a curator or an educator or getting your PhD in an area that's interesting to you. But go ahead and look at the realities of the profession um, by either researching or watching um, the, the shows that Dr. Alexander mentioned, the zoo and the aquarium, to see opportunities that you have and just keep in mind those goals that you have for the future. Well, I want to thank Dr. Alexander for being on the show today. It's always exciting to hear about ZooMed and just the exciting opportunities about veterinary medicine in general. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.